It's time to set aside the superficial. It's time to go deeper. It's time to engage in truth. Here's John Bornstein. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to Engage in Truth. This is John Bornstein. I'm the senior pastor of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley right here in Colorado Springs. And I am so excited that you are tuning in today. With me in the studio is Mike Mallinger. Mike, so good to have you back, my friend. Yes, good to be back, John. Well, this is our roundtable format, and we are continuing in a conversation, a dialogue we had last week on gun control. Yes, this is the topic that seems to be capturing all the headlines today, and we spent some time really covering this back in May, May 18th, in fact, right after the STEM school shooting that took place there in Highlands Ranch, and uh, Highlands Ranch, Colorado. So uh, despite that, we feel the need to cover this again to greater detail because in lieu of the fact of the, the recent headlines, and the shootings that took place there in El Paso, Texas and Dayton, Ohio between August 3rd and 4th in which 31 people were killed and countless others injured uh, in a number of ways, not just physically. And so the the, uh, fallout from that has been used now by many a politician to uh, create the narrative once again, a demand for change, a demand for more gun control. And so we've got a couple special guests here I'll introduce to you in just a moment. But uh, I want to encourage our listeners right now, go back and listen to last week's broadcast because we spent some time covering some of the topics that you're probably hearing about, some of the proposals that have been presented to Congress. Uh, in fact, they're trying to call for uh, the Senate to to come back for recess. They were doing all these issues to try to present these hot uh, bills and topics to Congress to take action. And so we covered a bit of that last week. I want to encourage you to go back and listen to that. Share it with your friends. You can find that broadcast at calvaryfountain.com. There the podcast is. Share it with your friends. Put it on Facebook. Get the message out there. But here's a harsh reality. More laws do not bring morality. (laughs) In fact, there are more than 200 laws and 3,000 regulations that are passed each year federally. Uh, In fact, there are 90,000 regulations and 4,300 laws have been passed since 1995, adding to more than 300,000 laws right here in these United States. And in fact, there are already 20,000 laws just governing the use and ownership of firearms. So let's just clear up one of the many stats that we'll talk about here on this program. Uh, You've probably heard a number of narratives, uh, folks that are citing statistics that are really unsubstantiated. In fact, one of those that you probably hear often is, or at least you feel, maybe the perception is, is that America is leading all other nations in, in, in mass shootings of some sort. Well, the United States is number 10 on the list of countries in the world with gun violence, not number one as the media might have you believe. And according to the Crime Prevention Research Center, the United States falls to number 11 in mass shootings worldwide. And when compared with frequency, the U.S. falls to number 12 behind countries like France, Austria, Finland, Norway, and even Switzerland. So there's this great illusion being propagated that the U.S. is leading the way in all these categories of gun violence when this is clearly false. But what we can agree is that any gun violence is wrong and should be prevented at all costs. So to help us navigate this very delicate subject, we have these two special guests with us who were also with us last week, Michael Cole and Robert Neal, and both men are highly trained, certified firearm experts, dealers, and instructors, and they've agreed to help us examine this gun control subject with further clarity. Gentlemen, welcome back to Engage in Truth. Thank you. Glad to be here. 
Well, last week, we just spent most of the program talking about what's been recently proposed to Congress, that the this, this narrative, this idea that more laws somehow will save the day, that'll make America a safer place. Uh, we talked about what's been proposed of further background checks, red flag laws, assault weapons bans, high capacity round, uh, you know, these magazines that hold 100 rounds or more, uh, a ban on those, even smart guns and technology to, to be able to identify the fingerprint of the user. And so we, we covered some of that that in the brief time that we had. But I, I wanted to start off this particular program with, with really this, I think, a viable statement to make here, that we can talk all day long about the 31 people who were killed in El Paso and Dayton, and it can break our heart and rightfully sh- it rightfully should. But due to the opportunity that, that this narrative is now presented for agenda-driven politicians who are seeking their own personal seats of power and not the betterment of society, they seem to completely ignore the 74 people who were shot over the same weekend in Chicago, a city that has strict gun laws. And the Chicago Tribune now reports that 1,700 people have been shot in Chicago over the past seven months, and 300 of those were fatal. So Mike Malinger is a co-host of this program, of this roundtable. Maybe you could jump in on this particular thought. Uh, do laws, do more gun laws actually work? Well, let's look at the past. Did prohibition work, <laughs> or did it just fund another industry like bootlegging and speakeasies? Right. Did it make Al Capone rich beyond belief right and they couldn't even catch him they finally had to get him for tax evasion right tax evasion and how's that war on drugs working for us right now right i mean it's another thing it's just all these things do is fuel the black market the black market becomes very viable and there's ways around these things so lawbreakers they don't care about the laws Right. When it comes to gun laws, they don't, I mean, they don't run to Mike or Robert and say, hey, man, I want to buy a gun. Right. So I could go rob some stores. That's just not how it works. Right. You know, in Chicago, these guys aren't doing that. They're not going down to the local gun dealer. Is there even a local gun dealer in Chicago to start with? <laughs> right. Right. It's, well, mean, it's only disarming the good guys. That's really. right. Yeah. What, in the end, the good guys get disarmed, the outlaws have guns, and... Yeah, and the story continues. Yes. Right? Okay, so let me direct this question then to, to Mike Cole and, and Robert Neal. Um, do you feel, and, and just be honest with this, I mean, this is really, I think, that what people are asking the NRA to consider, what they're asking Donald Trump to consider, amongst many others, is there really a compromise here with gun control? Is there a way that we can appease both sides of the aisle in this conversation? I mean, is there a win-win, really, at the end of the day? Honestly, I, I don't feel that there is. I don't think that Anyone's going to be, or I shouldn't say anyone. I don't. I don't feel that you know certain pe- individuals are going to be happy until uh, every gun is taken away off the streets or in their mind taken away and destroyed. Yeah, Robert, your thoughts? Um, I agree with Mike. I don't think that there's any that there's ever going to be a good enough um, standard for for that gun control argument. Mm-hmm. Do I think there could be a compromise? Sure. Let's compromise on enforcing the laws that we already have. Let's compromise on um, stricter, uh, like, jail sentences. Like, hey, you commit a crime with this, this is the penalty, period, flat out. Um, If you're the mass shooter in an event, you're no longer a world-famous hero. You know, we bury you someplace in a hole, and and you don't ever get to see the the sun again. We we make an example of you um, in the harshest way we possibly can under the law. 
and uh, and we do it that way. Um, we talked about red flag laws and uh, last week, and I think one of the things we should do let's compromise. Okay, yeah, I'll accept a red flag law if the person who commits a false report is subject to the harshest penalties under the law for for putting my reputation and my loved ones through that situation. Mm. Um, I, I think Dan Crenshaw mentioned that the other day when he was trying to re you know kind of rebuke the things he had said and what people thought he meant. Um, yeah, right. let's let's take away the ability to do false accusations underneath that, and 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 add stiffer penalties to the crimes that are being committed. Um, we already know for a fact that the law-abiding gun owners aren't aren't doing anything but being affected by these the gun laws. They, we're not the ones out there doing this stuff. So let's let's compromise and say, okay, let's make it harder for the criminals to get them um, through black market means. Let's make the penalties for doing that and getting caught at a straw purchase or anything like that much more harsh as opposed to, you know, hammering down on more law-abiding citizens. Yeah, and uh, this is to Mike and uh, Robert. On getting a driver, they're comparing getting a driver's license to getting a firearm. And, you know, uh, they say it. it's, I've heard somewhere they say it's easier to get a firearm than it is to get a driver's license. And then somebody says it's easier to get a driver's license than a firearm. I mean, shouldn't a driver's license be much easier to get a firearm? And, and give us a little insight to the process of actually trying to buy a gun. Good with that. You want to take it, Mike? <laughs> sure. So, so trying to buy a, buy a firearm the legal way um, through a licensed dealer in this state. Um, there are other states that, you know, you may not have to necessarily do that. Um, but going through a dealer, legally, you got to fill out a, a ATF form 4473. It's a federal form um, right at the top, right in big letters, warning you may um, not receive a firearm uh, by federal or state law. The information, if you uh, fill out this form illegally, uh, the information you provide will be used to determine whether you're prohibited from receiving a firearm, certain violations of the Gun Control Act, uh, 18 USC 921, etc., are punishable by up to 10 years imprisonment and $250,000 fine. Um, hmm. You're asked all sorts of questions on this. Uh, you've got to include your name, uh, place of residence, the place of birth, uh, city and state, your height, your weight, your sex, birth date, your ethnicity, your race. Then you're asked multiple questions. Uh, that I know you're not asked about getting a driver's license. Uh, <laughs> are you an unlawful user or addicted to marijuana or depressant, stimulant, narcotic drug? Have you ever been adjudicated as mentally defective or you ever been committed to a mental institution? Have you ever been dishonorably discharged from the military? Uh, are you subject to a court order, restraining order for harassing, stalking, or threatening a child or a, a, you know, an intimate partner? I know that you're not asked that for driver's license. Um, not <laughs> only that, <laughs> yeah, or a citizen in this state, um, but that's another, that's another topic. Um, but then after all of that is filled out, um, you've got to show proper, uh, government ID with picture. Um, and then all of this information is entered in, um, and two background checks are actually done in this state, both a state run background check from the Colorado Bureau of Investigation, as well as a NICS background check through the FBI. So absolutely Very thorough. <laughs> not easier to uh, get a gun than to get a driver's license. Right. And now, let me just uh, kind of throw this one at you then. Um, 
I, I think that there's this perception that guns are the problem. Uh, you know, that, that somehow that this is this is the issue. Then, um, I, you know, I, I wonder. Then, you know, let me just back up just a moment on this. Um, as we talk about just the acquisition of firearms, I think when we address some of the misleading statistics out there, it, it breaks my heart because I think that people just buy into it hook, line, and sinker. Don't really challenge any of these statistics. And, and let me just throw one out to you here. If you really assess this, the National Institute of Justice has really highlighted the fact that it involved the incidents involving firearms has declined from 1.2 million to, to less than 400,000 from 1993 to 2011. So their data shows that the most homicides committed with firearms peaked back in 1993 under Bill Clinton. And so here we have this narrative being perpetuated that somehow more laws, more deeper background checks, more restrictions on firearms is somehow going to make us safer when we've actually seen a decline in this area already since 1993. So I, I think the question then has to be asked, what's what's happening out there that's leading to this perception that guns are really the problem? I, do you, I mean, you guys probably have some insights into that, some feelings on that subject. I mean, this is a hotly debated topic. And yes, often these mass shootings are being used to bring this conversation to topic because they feel like they're happening all the time. But then as we've already shown over the last couple of weeks, statistically, that's not true. It's just perhaps more highlighted because of the sensitivity of the matter. Sometimes children are involved in a school. Um, you know, we saw that at Columbine. Those same feelings are, are, are provoked once again, the anger, the demand for change. Uh, but when we really look at the overall uh, impact of gun violence in America, it seems like the highest level of gun violence are in cities with the strictest laws. So what's really leading to this perception out there? I mean, what do you guys feel on that subject? When Honestly, I, I, and I know, you know, we're all Bible-believing guys here, but our, the nature of our society has fallen away um, into a more sinful, more um, self-centered um, situation where now we're, we're really looking at, hey, what's good for me, what's good for me, and if it's not good for me, how can I make everyone else suffer because of it so that I get my way? Mm. Um, the world has almost become a three-year-old toddler who wants something that we're not going to give him. Um, and, and unfortunately, we've seen through the media and, and games and all these, and I know video games isn't the only reason, so that's not what I'm saying, but we've seen this, this, this culture of, oh, I can solve this with violence, um, and then maybe I can be famous when I do that too. And, and it's really the tool used is, is irrelevant in the situation. The last year, year before, we had a guy drive through New York just running people over so he could get famous. Um, you got guys running around with knives, stabbing people, hitting people. The guy in Walmart a couple of years ago that were walked around Walmart randomly hitting people with a baseball bat that he picked up in Walmart. Do we need to lock up the baseball bats at Walmart now? Um, right. it's just, it's, it's, it really is. It's a media-driven frenzy to to put attention on something that there's a certain set of people that want to change. Um, hmm. You know, and I, and I don't see the, the relevance of it uh, changing. Uh, Okinawa, um, when it was taken over by Japan, they said no more weapons. We came up with karate. The Philippines, they said no more weapons. They decided, okay, we're going to learn how to use knives really, really well. 
violence perpetuated has nothing to do with the tool and everything to do with the society and, and the people in it. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. And I, I know, Mike, we've talked about this a great yeah. deal, that there's actually some other root issues of uh, of psychedelics, of, of drugs that have now been, because we couldn't beat the war on drugs, now we're just going to legalize it all into almost every yeah. type of level. And, and then we see that there's a direct correlation with firearm gun violence with drug use, and instead of dealing with the drug use, well, we're making money off of that now, so we can't keep, you know, harping on the drug issue. Now we're going to deal with the gun issue. Uh, I know we've we've spent a great deal of time and broadcasts have passed on this. Any thoughts there from you as well? Uh, you know, wait, the real problem, I, a lot of the problem that you and I have talked about in the past is morality. Right. Morality, right. the the dumbing down of society, the the lack of teaching history, prayers taken out of the school. Right. You can't have a Bible in school. I mean, if you walk onto a college campus and try to give Bibles away, I mean, right. you could get beat up. So, I mean... <laughs> Yeah, it definitely started in, I, I think, personally, I mean, it, you know, we won't get into a theological debate here, and right. other people have many opinions, but mm-hmm. this really does seem to have escalated since 1962. People highlight that year of saying, well, prayer was removed from schools. And Correct. of course, we know that it was even much more than that. Yeah. Uh, it, prayer, as powerful as it is, and that's even a hot topic today, you know, well, whose prayer? You know, prayer to you know, Yahweh, and or is it prayer to Allah, or how do you delineate mm-hmm. then how you can pray in schools? Well, people need to understand here that in 1962, voluntary prayer was forbidden, the inclusion of Scripture was terminated, classes on religion halted, the Bible ordered out of all school libraries, Ten Commandment displays were removed. Talk about a basis for morality, even in the Ten Commandments, which is why you'll see them uh, at the uh, in, in Washington, D.C., often prominently displayed there. Uh, religious artwork was covered. Religious content in student papers or speeches was forbidden, and the Bible was forbidden to bring into the classroom. So, Robert, you highlighted this, that we're having really a deficit of morality here, and it's impacted in very substantial ways. Over the last 50 years now, we've seen SAT scores plummet. American high school students now regularly finish last or near the bottom in math and science testing. The U.S. now ranks 65th in the world in literacy, when only a few decades ago, America was one of the highest literacy rates. Crime in schools escalated, pregnancy rates, single-parent homes. We've seen this huge dilemma uh, of, of direct impact to society when we turn to secular means. And Romans 1, of course, tells us that that's the inevitability. We remove God from the equation. We deal with cause and effect of that. So we could spend probably countless shows just talking about over the last 50 years. But, uh, you know, ultimately... You know, I, I think, Mike, we were talking about this, that there really does seem to be an agenda here, more than just the guns themselves, because as long as 3D printers exist, as long as the knowledge of firearms exists, you're never going to eradicate them from civilizations. I think there's a uh, last statistic I pulled, there were some 50 million small arm uh, firearms in China alone, 20 million in Russia. America is not the safe haven for firearms. They're all over the world, 900 million of them around the globe, just in small arms alone. So we are, we're never going to eradicate them. So all we're going to do is fuel the black market even more. And as long as knowledge of it exists, it will be a problem, no matter how strict the laws may seem. So there seems to be a bigger issue here that, that yeah. we've talked about. Yeah, I think there is a bigger issue. And you know, we, we talked about morality. We talked about the family structure. 
Right. I, I think the big issue is is to take guns away from us. Yeah, that seems to be the end game. I think the end game is gun grabbing. You know, uh, Mike and Robert, if, if you could just jump in on this, what do you feel on this? Do you feel that the end game is is just to take guns away from us? It's going to be a tough one. I, I believe that that's what the their end game would would be to take away the guns so that you know we can no longer fight back. I mean, uh, at what point do we stop? You know, believing that you know these elected few are the ones that should govern everything that we do. I mean, we created this country because of the fact that we didn't believe a, a select few should be able to govern everything that we do. Um, right. And I, I think that, you know, that's the way that uh, governments change for the worse, honestly, is when the people have no way of protecting their own rights or protecting their, their own safety anymore, for that matter. Right. Um, it's happened multiple times in history. It's still yeah. happening today. We yeah. see we see the effects in, in South America. So uh, at what point is it going to stop? I, you know, just like John said, we're never going to get rid of and eradicate all guns. Um, no. I, I think that they're going to eventually come to a, to a realization that they can't create any more of these gun laws that, or they're ineffective, just like they, you know, we see all of the laws now that are not effective. And so they're going to start going after the ammunition. Mm-hmm. You know, that'll be mm-hmm. next. And they've already started in certain states. Because without a yep. supply of ammunition, the gun is useless after, an, a, a, at some point, um, you know, and then, you know, once that stops, you know, they're going to go after, well, you know, if you don't turn them in, then we're freezing you out of all of your resources. You had all of your money, your wages, your, you know, uh, yeah. that's the way they're going to get you to turn them in. Well, let me ask you the tough question then related to this. And Robert, maybe you could chime in on this one in just a few minutes we have left. Is the fear of a coming socialist America the real issue behind the Second Amendment protections for gun advocates? I mean, are they really as worried about somebody breaking into their home or the ability to enjoy a firearm out in a in a sporting type event scenario going to the the firing range or even going hunting i know that all of those have viable arguments to 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 maintain gun ownership for those because as long as there's evil in the world people need to have the right to defend themselves but is there even a bigger overarching issue here from the red-blooded patriot americans who have seen the writing on the wall are worried about this advancement, this advancement of a socialist agenda. Uh, do you think that's sort of the underlining issue here to saying, if we give a chink in the armor, if we compromise, if we release even more to those who want all of the firearms, is this really going to perpetuate a state of a future socialistic America? I, I honestly, I think, I think there is a good population of, of the gun culture, the, the, the firearms community that does believe that, that, Fundamentally, our right to keep and bear and defend ourselves from a tyrannical government, whether it be socialist, communist, whatever, um, I think that at the core belief is, yes, that, that hey, I have this because um, I don't fully trust my government for now or in the future to forever say and keep their word that they will never do me harm or infringe further on my rights. I, I, think, I think there is a large a good majority of the population in the gun culture who feels that way. Um, mm. do, do, you know, do I think, hey, you know, tomorrow? No, but I could see it happening in the future. I mean, we've seen, we've seen you know, on both sides of the political spectrum, we've seen um, laws created that would infringe on our rights, uh, whether it be, Mike mentioned ammunition. 
um, bans or regulations that are prohibited. Um, we just saw one of the first major parts components prohibition with mm. the, with the bump stock. Uh, what seemingly looks like a needless toy um, was was regulated down to non ownership status. Um, and there's we, you know we're hearing future talkings of well you can't buy a trigger or you, you'd have to regulate or serialize a barrel or or a trigger guard or any c- component that could be used to build a, a firearm. And, and when you start getting into that, and then you're like, okay, at what point do they stop? And all of a sudden, you just, you aren't allowed to have it. And then, like I said before, then now you're like, okay, what will I use to defend myself um, against a possible tyrannical government? I mean, it, I mean, it really is, it gets down to, you know, what, what your belief system says. Um, as believers, we're like, hey, um, we're supposed to render under Caesar's word of Caesar's, but at the same time, you know, hey, if you don't have a cloak, um, go buy one. And if you don't have a sword, go buy one. And, you know, the, the inflection there is you're going to need it in the future. <laughs> and when the, right. when the main guy tells you, hey, in the future you're going to need this, you, you probably want to listen. Yeah. And I, and I, I thank you for your, your not only just a, a well-thought-through response to that, because this is, I think, a vital issue that we're all talking about here, that uh, it's not just about the moment. It's about generations down the road. It's about having seen what other nations have gone through, like mm-hmm. Venezuela and others, that, you know, when, when the those who are not willing to stand up in defense of their rights today start to lay down and, and hand those rights over, that what we find is that a generation removed and suddenly they wonder how those rights were ever stripped from the people uh, is because they didn't uh, they didn't adequately know how to defend those rights nor understand why they had them in the first place that we seem to think that bigger government is the solution that somehow bigger government's going to solve all the problems that instead of me pulling up my bootstraps learning how to work and solving the dilemma in my in the strength that we hand down from one generation to another a father teaching his sons and so forth and raising up a generation that can solve these challenges we're now looking to big government to solve all of the problems of the day and the bigger the government the better the utopia and bigger government never leads to a dictatorship bigger government never leads to to infringing on my rights or in somehow enslaving the people that's never happened through history so it's it's, obviously in the sarcasm that i'm laying on pretty thick there i think the reality is when we look to where we stand today maybe it's not tomorrow maybe it's 50 years from now, whatever that narrative is, we have a responsibility to at least make an intelligent argument of understanding why we have these rights in the first place, because they weren't given to us by accident. People laid down their lives to give us these rights because they were dealing with the real issue in a a seemingly impossible or improbable situation. And I think that we as the American public have to wake up because eventually socialist-minded leaders who rise to power on empty promises of gun control, better wages, free education, and other social programs lead to nations that are in calamity and despair. Time and time again, we have seen that. And personally, having just left the Holocaust Museum in Washington, D.C., they just really have captured what happened that led up to the rise of the Nazi party that led to Hitler's power grab that ultimately fundamentally transformed Germany, which felt like overnight, but it wasn't overnight. It required the transformation of the minds of the public to buy into that ideology. So we have a responsibility to communicate that here. So those of you listening right now, 
to this program. I want to thank you for listening all the way through. I want to encourage you to share this message with your friends. Get the word out there. Be a voice in this conversation. Let your voice be heard. Go to calvaryfountain.com. Again, calvaryfountain.com. Listen to the broadcast there once more. Share it on Facebook. Get the word out. Be part of the narrative. Be part of the discussion. Get informed and listen to this broadcast. Certainly, I hope has helped you do that. Again, thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. God bless you.